0: Welcome back to Nutrition for Noobs. Hey, Michelle, how are you doing?
1: I'm great, Kevin. You know, just once I want to say hi first. Oh. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nutrition for Noobs.
0: I'm so sorry. We can start that again.
1: No, (laughs) it's okay.
0: So, a few episodes ago, we learned that milk and dairy products were officially removed from the Canadian Food Guide, which started me thinking about calcium and how to get enough of it. Because, you know, when I grew up, it was all about milk and cheese. And I think somewhere along the way I learned that almonds might have a lot of calcium. I don't know, but that's about it. So if someone is trying to adjust their diet to be more plant-forward, it might actually be easier to cut out meat as a source of protein than for them to find calcium alternatives. You know, often I hear questions of, how can I get enough? And certainly, like, I'm getting older, and I don't want to start breaking bones So today, Michelle's going to help with a little bit of clarity on this topic. So, Michelle, let's start by saying, like, what's the big deal about dairy? Like, haven't humans been drinking it since we started domesticating animals?
1: Well, you know what? There's actually, there's so many sources that have a great history of humans. We've been around for like millions and millions of years longer than we've been you know the recent history of humans consuming some form of of dairy but the truth is we are just not biologically aligned with drinking the milk of any animal other than our mothers or any animal past weaning so I'm going to, I'm going to dive right in and just talk about, you know, the three main nutrients in milk first to start with. Okay. Um, so what do you, let me ask you actually, Kevin, do you even know what the number one nutrient in milk even is? The milk as we drink it today?
0: The nutrient or ingredient? I would assume the ingredient would be water. The number one nutrient, I would guess calcium. I don't know.
1: Everyone thinks that it's calcium, but the number one nutrient in milk is sugar. Oh. The number two nutrient, do you have any guess what the number two nutrient is?
0: A protein? It's fat. Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And not the good kind of fat. It's saturated fat, mostly. Uh, That is the fat that contributes to disease processes such as diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, and certain cancers. So people think they're getting all of this source of calcium. They're getting all of this source of protein, but they're actually majority of what they're getting whenever they drink milk is sugar and fat.
0: A liquid donut, basically.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a sugary fat promoting beverage. And you know, we can, when we kind of step back a little bit away from the marketing influences and away from the social paradigms, what is cow's milk for? Cow's milk is the milk that a mother cow produces to feed its baby calf. And its intention is to nourish a 65-pound baby calf so that it can grow and develop into a 700-pound cow.
0: Well, when you put it that way.
1: So so Dr. Michael Clapper always calls it this. He calls it baby cow growth fluid. (laughs) 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 That's really what it is. And it is also full of hormones in order to facilitate the growth of that baby cow. So its it's got the, the sugars and the fats and the hormones to facilitate the growth of a cow so our, our it's not sufficient at all for our dietary needs as a tiny human um and you may remember actually in our episode about Canada's food guide how one of the reasons that milk was removed as a category was because of really the social inequity um uh, associated with that right I so when, another great um, doc that I follow and that I've, you know, gone to see lecture at conferences is Dr. Milton Mills. And he's actually a critical care, and he's still an actually practicing critical care physician. He actually points out all of the social inequities about the digestibility of uh, lactose, that really a majority of the planet doesn't have the enzyme to to digest lactose beyond weaning. And this is actually how we are designed as humans. It's like even even breast milk, we our mother's breast milk, we don't, we, we don't, we lose that ability to produce the lactose, to digest lactose, pardon me, the sugar. Yeah, beyond being weaned from our mother, we actually our bodies stop producing lactase, which is the enzyme that our body naturally produces in order to digest lactose. Some of us actually, some of our, some races actually, you know, really have trouble with this. Let me give you some data. Uh, this is NIH, National Institutes of Health. So they estimate in the United States, anyway, 30 million to 50 million adults don't have lactase. So really? they don't have the ability to digest lactose. So 95% of Asians, probably why I don't digest it well because I'm 50% Southeast Asian, right? Sixty to eighty percent of African Americans, between that eighty and one hundred percent American Indians, fifty to eighty percent of Hispanics. So this wow. is kind of what Canada was looking at when they said, mm, "So really, the only humans that are left that that may have some ability to to still produce lactase as an adult and and digest very well are all white." And that's because of the migratory patterns that went to those European countries and started as part of their culture because of food scarcity and started to incorporate some of these foods as, you know, a survival necessity. Because yeah,
0: because cows can live throughout the winter, so you have a source of food during winter when nothing will grow and you've only got potatoes and turnips from your autumn harvest. That makes a lot of sense that it's a more northern european thing.
1: Yeah, and that took that took millions and millions and millions of years for that adaptation. But actually what I found really interesting is from a scientific point of view and this is pointed out by Dr. Neil Barnard, it's actually considered a genetic mutation. <laughs> that European descended humans have that have that ability. It's not, it's a mutation. It's not normal. Right,
0: because it's one particular group of people who developed this mutation because of what, where they were living, whereas the rest of the human population didn't need to because they stayed where it was warm because they're smarter.
1: <laughs> Our innate makeup was that we produce lactase, the, the enzyme to digest lactose as infants, while we are consuming our mother's breast milk, which is the perfect and ideal food for an infant. And then when we no longer need that beyond the age of weaning, we no longer produce that enzyme. And that's right. how a baby, that's one of the ways that a baby knows naturally to, that it doesn't need to, to breastfeed. So uh, after the age of of weaning, it turns out all mammals, all mammals that that consume a mother's milk, lose the ability to digest lactose. So let's go back to the cow for a second. Okay, back to because the cow. Because we have we have we we have again this perception that what do we need dairy for? We need it for
0: calcium.
1: Calcium. So where does the calcium come from? May you ask.
0: Michelle, where does the calcium come from?
1: Well, Kevin, I'm glad you asked that question because it turns out that cows do not have an ability within their biology to produce calcium. The cow gets the calcium from plants.
0: Oh.
1: So it's the cow grazing, eating grass, that they're actually getting the calcium from the food that they're consuming. Okay. It really dispels this myth that we need to get calcium from milk, because we can also just bypass the middle moo, as they say.
0: (laughs) That's a joke worthy of me, that pun. (laughs)
1: Oh, me tell you, the whole nutrition community is on fire with that joke. Everyone uses it. So um, you can just get it from the same place the cow does and that you can actually just eat the plants. And there's plenty, your leafy greens and your nuts and seeds, and there's plenty of calcium in your food. So that's really a myth as well. Can I talk about another um, concern So what is cheese? What is yogurt? A lot of people think, okay, well, yeah, I don't drink milk anymore. I just have a little bit of cheese and I have my yogurt in the morning. Well, let's think about that for a second. What is yogurt? What is cheese? Well,
0: they're made from milk.
1: Concentrated dairy. Ah. So extremely high in sugar extremely high in fat
0: milk without the water so it's everything that's left
1: Extremely high in hormones um and then let's not forget the nugget that i dropped from that we learned about from t colin campbell in the china study and the warnings about animal proteins and their links to higher instances of cancer and turning cancer gene expression on and we know Casein in particular, since it was the foundational type of protein that was used um, for a lot of the China study. So um, we have concentrated amounts of that, you know, very problematic animal protein. People who think that they're avoiding some of the pitfalls of dairy because they have a little bit of cheese and a little bit, and you know, what's a little bit too? Like people always say, oh, everything in moderation, but moderation to me means nothing. Because when people say moderation, what they really mean is I'll eat it whenever I want to and however much I want to. Right. (laughs) That's really what moderation means. I
0: moderate myself. (laughs)
1: Because moderation doesn't have a metric. It doesn't have a number. Why does cheese taste so damn good, right? Why does ice cream taste so damn good? Ask me why, Kevin.
0: Michelle, why do cheese and ice cream taste so damn good?
1: So it's not, Kevin, it's not just the sugar. It's not just the fat. All because those two things alone taste are really, except, really good. exceptionally yummy. Yes. There is a particular hormone um, in dairy that is there to make the baby cow want to suckle on its mother, and it's called casomorphine. And actually, we have casomorphine in, in breast milk of humans as well, for the same reason. It's it's there to make the infant want to suckle on its mother. It's an evolutionary thing that 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 is there for that reason so that we survival of our species that we will want to thrive and when you having it in the amounts that are for a 65 pound calf that you're trying to grow into a <laughs> 700 pound cow like if you want to become a 700 pound cow kevin the one of the best ways to do it is to eat lots of dairy lots of cheese lots of ice cream <laughs> lots of yogurt
0: <laughs> cuz you're getting that
1: hit yeah, so this casomorphine goes into the brain and it fits in a dopamine receptor site and it just makes you feel so good about your decision. <laughs>
0: mm, that would explain why I like ice cream so much.
1: Yeah, you are literally being drugged. I love like But it. when it when it when it comes to concentrated forms of dairy, you're being drugged that much more. Right, right. Yeah. So this is why it's really not your fault. When you have trouble letting go of those foods, cheese is usually the last thing to go. Um, It was the last thing to go for me. Um, And I still maintain the data that says, you know, we don't have to, as a species, we don't have to be 100% plant-based in order to live long and healthy. Because the blue zones, the the centenarian cultures have definitely had small amounts of this. But notice they've their dairy is when they are incorporating its fermented dairy, it's things like kefir, stuff like that. And some of those other compounds are broken down in the process of fermentation. Oh, uh, okay. Right. So uh but uh that's why it's so hard, especially when You can't turn on the television or the radio or flip through a magazine or drive down the freeway and not see a billboard that isn't advertising double cheese, this stuffed cheese crust,
0: you name it. Yeah.
1: All of these things. And and, and the the craze to put, you know, healthier things on menus. Notice they really, really strain to put the vegan option. But vegetarian, there's tons of them because they're all slathered in cheese.
0: Cheese, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. So, um, and this is why, because we know it sells. We know people love it. We know people feel good when they eat it. And we know that it sells. And unfortunately, it doesn't look good on our ass.
0: Right. So a question I had for you, and, and this might be a little out of the blue, but I have heard a bunch of comments, and I'm I'm really fuzzy about the connection between hormones and cow's milk. And can you help a little bit with that?
1: Yeah, that's that's a big one, actually. So there's tons and tons of estrogen uh, that, that you're, you're drinking when you're drinking cow's milk or any of the animal based products. And it's not so much, I, I worry a little bit about this milk is evil, um, sort of mentality because it's just that it's really, there's no benefit to humans. And and in fact, there's only harm that comes from humans the, drinking this amount of milk that wasn't intended for our species. Right. It, w- it was intended for a baby cow. So we get these high, high amounts of estrogens. It's affecting our youth, Kevin, because when we are pumping this into milk programs in schools and cheese on everything, and the you know the little string cheeses that you can pack in kids young lunches and the yogurts and everything they now think that this is why one reason why we have girls at the ages of eight or nine that are getting their periods and puberty happening younger even in boys as well it's because of this high level of estrogen that we're we're taking in which so it's not just sometimes in some cases it's hormones that's injected into the the chicken and the other foods that we're eating as well. But I think it largely has to do with the dairy because I think dairy is probably the thing that is most consistent, whether you are a person that prefers hot dogs or whether you prefer chicken or whether you prefer beef or whatever. The dairy is kind of the constant. And we know that it's very, very high and it's very particularly young meat. Okay. So hormones are, are like stored in our fat cells, like when in in our body, right? So there's this enzyme or this aromatase like in, in stored in the fat cells that in men in particular will take testosterone and it will turn it into estradiol, um, which is an estrogen like hormone. So we're getting you know, this isn't necessarily like I'm talking about man moves now, by the way, in case you didn't see where I Yeah,
0: I was I was putting two and two together and
1: Yeah. So there's always been this worry that and and this sort of was something planted by industry actually against soy that you could you know, men couldn't have tofu because tofu was gonna give you man boobs because tofu has these um, I have definitely
0: ha- heard that
1: yeah those are plant estrogens but the plant estrogen is not the same at all as the estrogen from an from an animal source plant estrogens so phytoestrogens, meaning plant estrogen actually fits in the receptor site and blocks the absorption of the animal-based estrogens the the ones that start uh, are a precursor to estrogenic cancers and things like that so if anything soy is actually very very protective but that worry, it should actually be applied to animal foods and particularly fat in general. Actually, Kevin, because okay. we have adipose tissue, you know, whether it's on our buttocks or our thighs or our arms or our belly, or our, our man boobs, we start to, um, you know, no matter what the source of that fat that adipose accumulation was from. This aromatase takes the testosterone um, from men, turns it into estradiol. And this leads to the formation of moves (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) where you don't necessarily want them.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And, um, and, and this is the case in, you know, we have a certain amount of testosterone in in balance in our hormone makeup as women too. So like it, it, it's actually helps to promote this fat storage, um, effect. So, um, excess body fat turns into more and more and more estrogen all by itself without us pouring more harmful estrogens into our body.
0: So if I want to dig into this a little bit deeper just because I I'm I, I guess I'm a little confused or or I don't know what my what the adjective would be I don't know what I am but you say that, and and we've certainly seen that that puberty is happening earlier in kids, but I mean we have been as a you know as a as a northern European Caucasian society at least let's just sort of deal with a northern European you know subset of you know people with this genetic abnormality <laughs> that's developed, um, like the, we've been drinking this for. I would say hundreds, if not thousands of years. So why would, is it, is it simply that we're drinking and eating more dairy products now and that's why, or are they injecting more hormones like growth hormones into cattle to make them produce more milk? Or is the combination of all, or is it because you also just said people, if you have high body fats, so was also increased obesity. That's like why why now, just in this last generation or two, is it that we're seeing the increase or the, the the increase in estrogen through advanced puberty and all that, whereas we haven't seen it in hundreds of years before? I guess I'm a bit confused on that.
1: Sure. All of the above is my understanding. I want (laughs) to, I want to, I want to remind the listeners that, you know, I'm, I'm not a geneticist. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an anthropologist. I'm just a nutrition nerd. I'm a nutritionist who just loves to nerd out on the data and go to conferences and continue further my education. But here's what I've learned. Um, and it's, it's really, really hard for me to answer that question without pointing out how horrible the industry has become. But let's just suffice to say, Um, You know, my grandparents were dairy farmers and the way that my grandparents farmed is nowhere resembles the the dairy farms of today. Right. Um, So even even then, um, you know, in order for a cow to continuously produce, um, they had to continuously be impregnated. Right. Um, And, you know, they carry a baby the same as us for, for nine months. And then they have that calf and it's taken away. And then they, you know, normally you would, they would start to lactate after they've given birth. Right. Unfortunately, cows now are in order to increase production uh, and profits. Uh, they've actually genetically modified the cows so that they produce milk all the time, even while they're pregnant. So it's multi. It's multifactorial. Right. Um, so so we're and they're getting. They're there's so much more being produced. There's so many more dairy foods on the market. There's well, so is many. everywhere. In
0: particular, there, I find cheese is like there's nothing that's not stuffed with cheese the, or covered with cheese. There's cheese <laughs> in things that
1: we never used to have cheese in. Right. Like it's like like when 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 we were kids, did we ever go? To a restaurant and order a salad and have someone ask us what protein we wanted on our salad. And, and right. where every single salad is sprinkled in cheddar cheese or sprinkled in goat cheese or sprinkled, you know, like a, a salad is no longer a salad. It's, yeah. it's now another protein and dairy delivery mechanism.
0: And, <laughs> and every pizza has double the cheese on the top and then cheese double also the cheese. stuffed in the crust. And then sprinkled on top, and then you can get a dip of sauce too, if, or a dip of cheese sauce if you don't have enough cheese. And it's like enough's enough. How about some vegetables cheese, on the pizza?
1: Cheese used to be a treat. Cheese used to be um, something you had on a on a plate with some fruit and then a and, now it's and, and a and a and a flavoring. And now it's like a food group.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Although not right. anymore, according to Canada.
1: So, we, so we, we've we changed the nature of the industry that there is now far more volume of this being pumped out into the food supply and therefore being, it's subsidized. So it's incumbent upon those governments to make sure that, that the population consumes lots of it. So they get lots of bang for their buck. We've also changed the nature of farming to be able to support this, these in, increased production and, uh, We also are um, injecting everything, (laughs) so many things with extra hormones uh, in order to boost production in ways that, you know, it's not the cute picture that you used to see on the milk carton of the red barn and the (laughs) cow out in the pasture. Even in Spain, Kevin, I have to tell you, when I walked Camino de Santiago with with one of my best friends, Karen not Kevin, you're one of my best yeah, friends, yeah. Well, not, <laughs> Other one. but Other you know, one. I, I, I have an, uh, my Camino wife, I call her. Um, we couldn't believe like, they don't have commercialized dairy production there. So every, we would walk through these fields and they were just the way they used to be like where there were fairly skinny cows. Right. Wand, wandering around, you know, behind a fence and minding their own business and, eating grass is <laughs> really quite interesting um and it was really yeah like uh, eye opening that when when you you can't drive through southwestern ontario without you you don't see dairy cows wandering around like they're in confined animal feeding operations
0: right exactly yeah yeah exactly
1: and they're connected to a milking machine like all the time. Um, I know you want to cut that out, don't you? I, I that's okay.
0: It's just we're it's just we're getting into the ethics a little bit, and I I, I just have I just want to. I know you don't want to,
1: but it's it, it is.
0: I think I
1: highly I, I just, I, I, highly
0: it, unethical. No, I it I should I under- be said. I I understand that it's more. It's more like I've, you know, as I said, like I want to stick to the science. and I just I don't want to. You've you've had, you've you've made so many good factual points that I don't want people being turned off if you if they hear something like that and they say, oh well, she has an axe to grind, or or she's judging the industry now. Like I I just I, mm-hmm. I don't want to undercut your. I I, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but like your rational arguments with what might be a little bit more opinion ethics
1: based. Is not, ethics is not it's not opinion no, 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 based. No, but it's very but, factual.
0: Yeah, but it's like I said at the protein one, like we don't want to judge and if you want to
1: Okay. So let so me I let just, me yeah. let me bring myself back onto a different tangent, okay? So then the other so, thing
0: is uh, just in terms of
1: so, I f didn't talk about inflammation yet.
0: Okay. And then after that do we wrap up and I can basically set the pace for a second part two episode when we talk about alternatives does that make sense sure sure sounds good okay so you can go ahead
1: okay yeah so let me get my bearings here kevin so we talked about we talked about um we talked about the the moves which i think is of concern to to many listeners oh yeah You know, another thing about this, what we see with high dairy consumption as a part of a a standard American diet, it tends to be one of the contributors, uh, the science says now, to reduced sperm counts in men. And in women in particular, um, oh, it's also linked to prostate cancer, highly, highly linked to to prostate cancer in men, Uh, in women's ovarian cancer, ovarian cancer is a Serious one because usually it's one of the cancers that's detected too late for us to be able to ever do anything about it. And very heavily linked to ovarian cancer and also breast cancer. And in the study, especially cheese consumption. Really? Just to round that out. So there's significant risk. There's a whole lot of reasons why it's the casein. We know that it's quite acidic. Uh, to the body when when we consume it. Um, That also kind of lays down some building blocks for disease states to take hold as well as the problematic animal protein. And then we have the rise of inflammation, it can trigger inflammation. I know that in helping people that have any type of skin conditions or acne, Uh, things like that usually removing dairy is like the usually the first indicator that you do that that we see significant improvements so it's highly linked to asthma because of these inflammatory triggers etc there's just so many things and i think the long and the short of it for me is that there's so many health risks associated with dairy consumption in any form there's absolutely no benefit um, it's basically at the end of the day when we look at its constitution. It's basically a high-fat, sugary beverage, um, and it's it, it doesn't serve as as a healthy drink alternative in any way, shape, and form. And I'm sure that all of this, all of this body of evidence is is a, a major reason why it was removed from Canada's food guide in the first place, um, as as well as like we, we talked about the the whole enzyme issue that really doesn't make it a a tolerable food, even for a majority of our population makeup.
0: Right. And, And honestly, I think the Canada Food Guide removing it outright was really what opened my eyes to it. Because rightly or wrongly, for the average person, you know, you trust these food guides. So for them to take, it's not just a reduction. It's not just them saying, "Okay, just have a little bit of milk. Like the categories removed 100%, which to me was a very bold and to a degree, a brave statement for them to say, very like, brave. no, you you can incorporate it. It's in the protein section, I think, as one of the many, many, many options. That's a, a very strong message to send that this is something to be taken seriously and it's it not is. required and it shouldn't be because when we were young, it was the default. You drank milk, you... That was the thing, and now it's it's a a, a re education to say, okay, maybe milk is and milk and dairy products generally aren't the be all to end all and aren't required and, and are problematic.
1: And you know what? The silver lining um here is that if anybody is looking to do any type of health improvement because they've got sluggish digestion, they maybe have some sort of adult acne or child acne or, you know, issues with their skin, blemishes, problems with headaches, uh, or just, you know, feeling less than optimal. If they just did nothing else, if they didn't listen to anything else we talk about in this podcast, except they eliminated the dairy, they would very short period of time in a matter of days feel a significant, significant improvement in how they feel. I, I was astounded with me like it was a big leap for me Kat my grand? I have these memories of sitting at grandma's counter and you know having a big glass of milk and the cookies that she made and or the bread that you know she made by hand and their you know home churned butter slathered on the bread like these are childhood memories and comfort foods it was really and ice cream don't even get me started on ice cream it it was really really hard for me to learn this information and believe it myself and shift that paradigm because it was something that was so cherished in memories for me. So, but learning exactly how hard how detrimental it was to my health and the contributor to the people that I had already lost and what I was feeling in my own body it was mind blowing. When when I eliminated the dairy, I was like, wow, I didn't even know. I was sick until I felt that much better.
0: And I think you, you know, I think you nailed it that there is, I mean, milk is, for a lot of people, it's probably the first thing, one of the first things they remember drinking. And so, because it, for a lot of people, it was literally, but it—it's it's, it, there is a nostalgia, like there is a nostalgia to it. And mm-hmm. all the dairy products are often linked to you know, warm memories like I, you know, you have ice cream as a dessert, and when times are good.
1: Or when you break up with somebody.
0: Or exactly. Or, or it's a, because it, it makes you feel good. It's the, it's the fat and sugar and, you know, the morphine apparently, and all that. Yeah. And, and so it is, it is tough for people to, to pull that plug. Which brings me then to a nice wrap this episode up in a clean bow. And I think the next episode. We're going to be talking about some of the alternatives and we're going to be talking about some of the plant-based beverages that are out there because there's a billion of them, it seems. Uh, And maybe we can also talk about other sources of calcium for people who do want to make the jump. There's so many alternatives out there and I certainly spend a long time looking at them. And I'm confused by them, so I'd like a bit of clarity around what's out there.
1: I would love to talk about that. I would love to talk about that. Fun fact to round out your episode, just for anybody that is still on, on the edge with this one. Okay. Do you know that in large population-based studies in this, like we're talking, there's Adventist Health 2 study, there is the EPIC study in Europe at, at Oxford, and then there's um, Nurses Health study, that in the populations that have the highest amount of dairy consumption, are the populations that have the highest instances of osteoporosis and hip fractures.
0: Uh, which is exactly what you would expect the opposite of, because they're supposed to right. be getting enough calcium. So to end off this episode on a funny note, as always.
1: Oh, dear. I've
0: got a joke. I've come
1: to, I've come to terrify this part of the episode.
0: <laughs> so this one, this is a joke courtesy of my nine-year-old son.
1: So- <gasps> oh, okay. I'm happy then. Well, I don't know. Bring it on. So,
0: so expect this level. Okay. What's got two humps and lives at the North Pole?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. I want to say Santa camel, but I can't, uh, I don't know.
0: A lost camel.
1: No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nine year
0: old humor. You, you just can't beat it. Or maybe you should. That is the height of humor for him. He will just like cackle away whenever he tells that joke.
1: There's a beautiful thing to that stage of innocence, you know?
0: Oh, exactly. exactly. But then he tries to make up new jokes that kind of fall flat. And that's what gets a little because then he tries to riff. OK, so what's black and white in at the North Pole? It's a cow who's lost. It's like, OK, you've lost you've lost the, the train of thought there. Well, on that note, thank you as always, Michelle. You've given us a lot of uh, food for thought. Until next time, I'm Kevin saying thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, Kevin. And thanks, everyone. Remember to be real.
0: This has been Nutrition for Noobs. We hope you're a bit more enlightened about how your fantastic and complicated body works with the food you put into it. If you have a question or a topic you'd like Michelle to discuss, drop us a line at n 4 news at gmail.com. That's the letter N, the number 4, n-o-o-b-s at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever your favorite platform might be. Also, please consider leaving a review or telling your friends. That's the best way to spread the word. We'll see you next time with another interesting topic. The views and opinions expressed on Nutrition for Noobs are those of the hosts. It is not intended to be a substitute for medical, nutritional, or health advice. Listeners should seek a personal consultation with a qualified practitioner if they have any concerns or before commencing any actions mentioned in the podcast.